Welcome to the Transform Podcast, the podcast devoted to discussions of how the biblical worldview transforms all of life. I'm Corey Barnes, and with me is my co-host, Aaron Rice. So, Aaron, we're going into Christmas season, and this pulls up some interesting topics for biblical worldview. I like to talk to people about how at Christmas time, probably more than anything else in our culture, sacred and secular culture kind of butt up against one another. So as Christians, what are some things that we need to kind of be on the lookout for at this time in, in this season? You know, I think it draws me back to my uh, doctoral oral defense. One of the questions that we had was, what is Christian kitsch? And one of my professors brought in Santa Claus kneeling at the manger. And we just see this collide going on uh, in our culture and even in our Christian culture. How do we um, reconcile Santa Claus with Jesus? I mean, we see a lot of that kind of thing. And then we see really how we respond to that and how do we engage what is a biblical worldview, what the scripture says, and how we are are to rightly worship the Christ child. And what are those things that we can take part in that would continue to point us towards Christ and the gift that he is. And so you're constantly having to come at uh, the, the Christmas season, the Advent season, with eyes that are fresh, taking in things afresh so that we're seeing what are these things that we can see that Christ is moving in and working in? What are these things that are just secular entrapments that um, may just be about uh, capitalism or uh, or whatever else that's going on during that season? Yeah, no, I, that's a good word, man. And I think that uh, something that will come out over the next few weeks, because just so our listeners will know, the next four episodes of the podcast are going to be covering things related to Christmas. And in particular, we'll start today diving into looking at that through the lens of Advent. Uh, but as we're looking at that, something that'll come out is that, especially as you think about like the family dynamic of applying this, you know, both of us have kids. How do we kind of guide our kids through this right. time of year? And I want to be clear up front: we're definitely not. Neither one of us approach this of the at the the level of you got to guard your kids against Santa Claus and this is demonic influence that's out to steal right. Christmas from you. While at the same time, there needs to be a realization that at this time of year, where secular is touching sacred in the culture. We need to be very intentional as Christians to not waste an opportunity for worshiping in the Christian year in a uniquely Christian and uniquely biblical way. Um, One of the things in my family that's looked like is that while, you know, our kids are aware of Santa Claus. Now, now we make a choice. We're not legalistic on this. Like we don't do gifts from Santa Claus or anything, Mm -hmm. but our kids are aware of Santa Claus. You know, they're, we, we try really hard to make sure that they're not going to go out and tell their friends like Santa's not real because we don't don't want to be that guy. That's right. We don't want to be those parents. And we don't want our six-year-old to be that six-year-old. Exactly. We know that six-year-old. We just don't want Mm -hmm. it to be our kid. But at the same time, there's a concern. And I think should be a concern for every Christian that we are being intentional, that we can separate out, that we have this natural filter between what is the core of the celebration of Christmas. And we'll get into how Advent is going to help us just laser focus in on that by the time we get to the actual celebration of Christmas. And what are the cultural trappings that may be good, but they are not the essence of the celebration of Christmas. So um, you're uniquely gifted to help talk us through that because, you know, you can kind of talk with us beyond just, you know, some of the cultural things we need to be aware of about Advent itself. So I wanted to take a moment to ask you, you know, we we hear the term Advent. I think most of our listeners have probably uh, heard the term before, but maybe they haven't. I mean, I grew up in churches, uh, even once we started going to church whenever I was a teenager, I grew up in churches that maybe we had an Advent wreath, 
but I couldn't have told you this is what Advent is. So can you help distinguish for us, what's the difference between Advent and then just kind of the secular Christmas season that kicks off hard on the, you know, the day after Thanksgiving? Yeah. I mean, for me, just as a a side note, whenever I was growing up, I grew up in a Sandy Creek tradition church, which for non-Southern Baptists is a very revivalist style church that was probably 300 folks. And, um, you know, we put up the Christmas wreaths right after Thanksgiving and that was our thing. And I remember in the eighth grade, one of my eighth grade teachers knew that I was a believer, knew that I was seeking to honor the Lord, and I was involved in FCA, and so was she. And she said, Aaron, we're starting Advent next Sunday. And I thought to myself, well, what is Advent? You know, and she said, "You know, Advent. It's like one of the best parts about the way that we celebrate Christmas and get prepared." And I had no idea at all. And really, I didn't um, come to understand really what the point of Advent was or what Advent could mean to my life as a worshiper until I got into undergrad and really grad school, honestly, because um, as Southern Baptists, uh, we had not really paid a whole lot of attention unless maybe you're a a tall steeple First Baptist Church of a county seat town. You're probably not going to be as familiar with Advent, certainly not in the mid-90s, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I think more and more Advent has become a thing that we're really looking to to find interest in and to find meaning in. And another anecdote uh, to kind of think from where we're at is one of the churches that I served during seminary, um, I began to encourage our pastoral staff to think through Advent and why we have it and that sort of thing. And um, we began to implement that year. And a church member came up and said, I hate Advent. And I thought, oh my, what have we done? He said, it's so Catholic. And so that kind of leads us into what in the world is it and why people have, um, and why are people intrigued by it? Why are people uh, repelled by it? Uh, and, and that sort of thing. And so if we think about it, the Christian year was developed really in the Middle Ages and, and before some some parts of it. And it was a, a, um, a resource for the people of God to rehearse the life of Christ every year. So you're rehearsing the life of Christ over and over and over. And you have these high feast days and you have these feast periods so that you're looking at whenever the beginning of the year is always Advent. Advent is the four Sundays that precede Christmas Eve. So you're looking at those four weeks leading up to Christmas. Christmas is 12 days. That's where we get the 12 days of Christmas. The Feast of Christmas is 12 days after that. You begin to uh, work towards, um, That's the then it culminates really in the Epiphany, mm-hmm. and, uh, and then on and on, and that's the coming of the wise men. After that, you have the leading up to uh, the Passion Week, and you have the Passion Week of Christ you know, that has uh, Maundy Thursday and Holy uh, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, and then Easter Sunday. Notice again, that's kind of a preparation to a celebration. Preparation to celebration. That's what you have in Advent and Christmas, then that's what you have in Holy Week and Easter. Following that, again, we look at the coming of the Holy Spirit and the ascension. So we look at the life of Christ and the working of the Almighty God in the lives of believers. So you rehearse that over and over and over. And uh, Brian Chapel in his book about worship talks about the fact that structure tells stories, mm-hmm. right? And we think about that. And this way that we structure a Christian year and that Christians have for centuries, we see this 
over and over rehearsing the structure of moving forward in the life of Christ. And so we that brings with it a celebration, that brings it with it uh, scripture that we can tie into our daily life. And so that's kind of the, the whole package of the Christian year. But then when we dive down and drill down into Advent, we see it again as a four-week preparation. You know, in our lives, something that we prepare for and long for is all the more heightened in the celebration if we're, we're making ourselves ready. You know, whenever we go on, on um, uh, major vacations, say you're taking your kids to Disney, you're planning for Disney. You plan for it probably for a year in advance. You say, all right, we're going to go this week and we're going to get these things together. We want to go here. We want to do there. You plan out all your, your park adventures. You plan out where you're going to eat and how you're going to spend your money. And you build this hype, 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 hype for this great vacation that you're hoping to make memories. Worshiping Jesus is not about hype. But it is about preparing our hearts so that we are ready to worship, right? If we see Advent in its right way, it's going to be realized in a more meaningful, deep sense of worship come Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Yeah, and what you're talking about here might sound so foreign for some of our listeners. And this is, again, this is foreign in in the large part for my worship experience, is thinking about worshiping according to the church here. Here's something I would challenge our listeners with. If, if you just heard what Aaron said here about the church here and about the fact that, you know, structures like this tell stories and you say, you know something, that's completely foreign to my church tradition. I would just challenge you to think, is it actually that far into your church tradition? Because right. here's, I, I think this is something that we would probably agree on. If you're not coming from the structure of a church year by the the liturgical calendar, and that's what we're talking about there by, by the church year, you're probably using something else. And, and here's how it probably works in a lot of churches. And that is, it's a church year that follows much more on the lines of, say, Hallmark mm-hmm. rather than a liturgical calendar. And so if your church here is you, you find yourself that you've got Mother's Day and then you've got Father's Day and then maybe you do something for Valentine's Day and then it's Fourth of July and Veterans Day and Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving and yeah. Christmas. Well, this is something similar. Now, I do want to to advocate. I think that if just all things being equal, the traditional church calendar is quite a bit better because it's an intentional structure that was created for worship. But I just want us to recognize that we're we're actually worshiping in these systems sometimes even when we're not being intentional right. about it. And uh, if this is something that any of our listeners have questions about, if you're coming from a Baptist tradition and this is new to you, and, and if you are coming from a Baptist tradition, it likely is, um, I would encourage you to check out the Center for Baptist Renewal. The Center for Baptist Renewal, uh, Matt Emerson, Luke Stamps, and some others do that. Um, and you can just Google Center for Baptist Renewal and that'll come up. Now, as you as you drill into Advent, here's here's something that you said that I think is just so important about Advent. As you As you drill into Advent, you come to the point where you say it's building anticipation. Here's a, here's an issue that we should all recognize. Christmas builds anticipation just based on the culture. Absolutely. But is it an anticipation that's leading us to worship? So mm-hmm. that's my question to you. If you don't have this Advent structure, will the cultural anticipation drive you into worship? Yeah. So I think that if you really realize we're about a week out from Halloween. Mm-hmm. Literally, November 1, we're inundated with all these Christmas uh, marketing, advertisement, uh, even people begin putting up their Christmas trees and whatever, and you do you. If you want to put up your Christmas tree, <laughs> you do you. That's yeah. fine. Um, not what we're here to talk about. But it is already building anticipation. And you say, well, Aaron, Corey, 
We already have this building anticipation. We're already listening to these Christmas carols. But my question really is, beyond the presence on Christmas morning, is it really building a sense of waiting and longing and hoping? Mm-hmm. The people of God waited for hundreds of years between the last spoken prophetic word and the coming of Christ, right? Long time, right? And even if you look at back at what happened in the garden where God says to Eve, I promise someone is coming. Mm-hmm. That's a long time. That's a long time for the people of God to look and hope and say, is he coming? Is he really coming? And so that hoping and that anticipation, that praying and that longing is something that is not a bad thing for us to rehearse in our hearts. Mm-hmm. We know that he's coming. We know he came, right? right. We also know he's coming again. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that kind of rehearsing in our lives creates a desire that is deepened and heightened, right? Because we're singing the same old Christmas songs that you're going to sing from November 1st all the way till probably Chris, um, New Year's Eve, right? Mm-hmm. You're singing the same songs over over and over and over and over and over. But wait, what if there's a a world in which, and I'm not necessarily advocating for this, but it's something for us to think about, a world in which we don't sing any Christmas songs that actually say Jesus has come until Christmas Eve. Is there a world where we can sing Advent songs that cause us to desire and long and long, can't wait, I can't wait until this happens, and then, yea, Lord, we greet thee, born this happy morning. Yeah. happens on Christmas Eve, yeah. right? And so I think that's one of the reasons that Advent is, is structured as such. And I've served on church staffs where we didn't sing any Christmas music, like capital C Christmas music, until Christmas Eve. Honestly, it was difficult. Yeah. As a worship planner, it was difficult for our people, but it caused this huge desire to sing, and it was all the more rich and all the more gratifying to sing those songs on Christmas Eve. And buddy, you better believe we sang verse after verse after verse on Christmas Eve night. So really, it's creating a sense of longing that drives us to the throne room of the Almighty, right? Mm -hmm. So that we're singing with more full-throated and guttural desires to worship that, yea, Lord, we greet thee. Yeah, yeah, and that's a... That's a point that I think as we talk about the types of anticipation, cultural anticipation around the Christmas holiday. And, and at, you, know, you mentioned that we're a week out from Halloween. So as we're recording this, you know, it's currently November 8th. So already we're seeing here's this, this inundation in, in, in retail stores and on the Internet and on the radio of Christmas stuff. Um, by the time this podcast is going to air at the beginning of December, it's just going to have been totally taken over. Right. So culture creates a certain anticipation of a particular type of celebration, but there's a lot of cultural baggage that comes in that. Again, it's not wrong, but it can't be depended upon to bring us to a point of true worship of the meaning of Christmas. Mm-hmm. So this gets us to the definition of Advent. So Advent is about arrival. Mm-hmm. So so and in particular the arrival of a long expected person or event. So for Christians what Advent is doing is instead of it just being about a build up of the season or instead of it just being about the build up of the giving of gifts or the build up of the family get together on Christmas, it's this understanding that you're talking about where it's there is a point in history where the entire world is groaning for mm-hmm. the coming of the Messiah. And then he breaks into the world. 
And so part of what we're doing is that for this this month out of the year and in the the four Sundays leading up to Christmas, we are waiting on the coming of Christ. We're putting ourselves in that place. Now, you, you might ask the question, well, what's the value of putting yourself back in that place? We live in a day where by God's grace, Christ has mm-hmm. come. So what would be the value of that? The value, as you've already mentioned, is that so celebrating the Advent, putting ourselves in the situation of the people of God before the advent of the Messiah helps us understand our current expectation of the advent of the second coming of the Messiah. And what we look at there is we look at the pattern of the celebration. And this gets back to what you talked about. Structures tell story. And here we have structures telling a story that point us towards the absolute truth of existence. We go back to that waiting and the groaning of all creation for Messiah to come and realize he does come. We, there is a certainty that Messiah breaks into the world. Jesus is born on Christmas. Mm-hmm. That's the meaning of the celebration. The world has hope and purpose and redemption because of Jesus and his advent at Christmas in the first coming of Jesus. And then with equal certainty, we say, just as he has come, he will come again. Right. And so, so here's something for us to consider on Christmas. Understanding Advent through this lens actually helps us lean into a lot of the pain that's often experienced and, and, and made acute at Christmas. Whenever we consider at Christmas time that so many families are going to be going through times where they, they become particularly aware of family members that are no longer with them or of trials and of issues and of, of infirmities and sickness that prevents them from celebrating this season in the way that they would normally desire to do, this view of Advent says the Messiah has come and set all things right and is coming again to, to finish and to put the, the end note on that redemptive work. Mm. So actually, understanding Christmas in this way, understanding Advent in this way, means that we don't have to run away from difficulty during the season. We lean into difficulty during the season. Now, with all this in mind, Aaron, talk us through if if our church doesn't celebrate Advent, what does that mean? Do, does it mean that we're out? Does it mean we need to find another church? Like, what does it mean? No, I don't think so at all. And as a matter of fact, a variety of churches are going to, especially if you're in a Baptist tradition, if you um, celebrate Advent at all, it's probably going to look very different from the Baptist church that you you know, find down the street, right? Because mm-hmm. we're um, the uh, Baptist church is generally in the free church tradition, and so each church is an autonomous local body, and they can do it however they want. Whereas if you're in another tradition, it's going to be a lot more streamlined and standardized, right? Mm-hmm. And so, say your church doesn't do it, we're not advocating that you go to a church that does, or say your church just reads another Christmas book and calls it Advent, because right. a lot do, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that you and I both would espouse is finding a way to have that type of preparation in your home, mm-hmm. right? And that can happen if it's just you, or if it's you and a spouse, or you and children, or you and your grandchildren. Um, it's finding a way to Read the scripture with an eye towards fulfilled prophecy, 
right? Mm-hmm. And so we're looking at the prophecy from Isaiah, particularly. How does Isaiah speak and, and, and say that the Messiah will come? What will this Messiah look like? What will the world look like prior to his coming? How will he rule? What will be the fulfillment of these things? So reading these uh, prophecies and then going and looking through the New Testament lens um, in, in the gospel writings, how does that come to fulfillment, right? Mm-hmm. And so looking at these things and finding a way to build that, right? And so um, one of the ways that, that many families can do that is through putting a wreath together, and you may have four candles in that wreath, and each Sunday you light a candle, light the next candle, and finally many many um, would have the Christ candle in the middle of that wreath. So you'd have four um, candles on there and then a candle in the middle that would symbolize the coming of the Christ, the Paschal Lamb, uh, and his birth. And so you can look, all, obviously, on Google or Amazon and find any of these um, materials to, to make an Advent wreath. Some folks use a Jesse tree and so use different um, ornaments that would represent the various prophecies coming, right? He's a shoot out of the stump of Jesse and all these types of things. And so you're finding ways to build that in your life and in your family's life. And again, you're leaning into some of those uh, areas that aren't as beautiful about Christmas, right? Mm-hmm. L- realizing that there are people that have loss in their lives, realizing there are difficulties, that during this time of the year, it's no different in some ways because we still have the effects of sin in our life and in our world. And though we're worshiping and we're excited, these things are still here and present. Mm-hmm. So you're finding a way to combat those or to be honest with yourself and your family. These are here, and we're looking for the fulfillment, the ultimate fulfillment in Christ in his first and second coming. So building scripture memory, building uh, family devotion time, and even like we do for our family, memorizing uh, Christmas hymns, Christmas carols, not uh, necessarily Mariah Carey, uh, but finding those Christmas carols that you would uh, sing out of the hymnal or, or some things like that. Yeah. Well, as as we move towards closing, one of the things that I would say is just just to make it very clear, uh, you know, what Aaron said, whatever tradition you worship in. And and by the way, you know, we we talk a lot about the Baptist tradition because we both came out of that, you know. Um, And, uh, and, you know, I continue to serve as a, a pastor in a Southern Baptist church. But wherever you are in church, you know, leaving because your church does or does not celebrate Advent, let's be very clear, it's a stupid reason to leave a church, yeah. right? Um, but, uh, but it does not mean that you can't be a part of the Advent celebration. And to that end, we encourage you to listen in next week as we talk through just some explicit ways that you can make Advent a part of your life. And we're going to think through that broadly as an individual, as a family, as a college student, um, and how you can just kind of bring this celebration into your community. Thanks so much for listening to the Transform podcast. Transformed is a resource provided by Shorty University, a Christian liberal arts university in Rome, Georgia. For more resources provided by Transformed, including podcast episodes, book reviews, and articles, check out transform.shorter.edu. For more information on Shorter University, go to shorter.edu. Tune in next week as we continue to explore issues related to the biblical worldview. Thanks so much for joining us. Take care.